Good morning. Welcome to All People's Church. We're coming to you today from Flagstaff, Arizona. Today's date is June the 11th, and it is summertime here. Hope you are having a great summer, and you want to hear more about the Word of God, because that's where we're going today. Today's message or lesson is entitled, In Vain They Worship Me, which is a strange title. I'll admit it. And it's a message or a Bible study that is definitely off the beaten path for me. This is not my normal interest. It's not my normal passion. My passion is salvation and understanding it. And everything flows from that normally. But today's message is a little different. And so welcome aboard. Enjoy the ride with us. And we're going to start today with a definition. And it is hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W. The first definition is to make holy or sacred, sanctify, consecrate. The second definition is similar, and it is to regard as holy, honor as sacred, or venerate. To hallow is the beginning of worship. That's... <laughs> That's the main point here, because the title of the message is In Vain They Worship Me, and so today we're going to find out why. Why did whoever the scriptures are talking about, why were they worshiping in vain? And we definitely do not want to worship in vain, right? We want to understand the scriptures, how this not only applied to them, but how does it apply to us today? So when we consider the scriptures today, I know Denise and I, we're going to be thinking about our worship and do we worship in vain? We do not want to worship in vain. To hallow is the beginning of worship. So Jesus talked to us in the model prayer, in the example prayer. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name and so when he said hallowed be thy name he is worshiping that is the beginning of worship he's making sure that as he addresses the father he's saying i want you to know i regard you as holy and he's saying i honor you as sacred he's saying i respect you i venerate you He's, he's beginning to worship. He hasn't even, all he did was open this, the prayer by saying, Our Father, and then he begins to worship. And he says, Hallowed be thy name. So today when we start to talk about worship, and oh man, I'm telling you, I'm all excited about this as you can tell. When we begin to worship, or when we begin to pray, we want to worship. We want to begin with worship. That's just a great way to, to begin. And then, and then the second thing that is very evident, I mean, it just screams from the second thing Jesus says in that model prayer. He says, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And in that 
statement is bound up the idea of submission. He's saying it's your kingdom. He says you're the king. You're the boss. Everything flows from you. Everything flows toward you. It, you are the center. Thy kingdom. Thy kingdom. He's saying I, thy kingdom come. He says I'm, I'm submitted to your kingdom. And when we say it, we say it also. We are submitted to God as our master. So today when we begin to talk about worship, it's incredibly important to remember this word hallow. We're going to hear it again later in the message. And I want you to, to look for it, to, to expect it. Now, let's turn to Matthew 15th chapter, verses 1 through 20. And Denise, when you get there, would you begin to read? And all of you, I just want you to know that we're using the New King James Version if you're using an electronic Bible and you can choose that version, then it'll line up exactly with what Denise begins to read from. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God, command, for God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me as a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Going back up to Matthew 15, verse 1, it says, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus. Why did they come to Jesus? Well, we, in the previous chapters in Matthew, we know that Jesus has been healing people literally by the hundreds. That is the way I interpret the scriptures. 
it says in places that he was followed by multitudes and he healed them all. And in fact, I think it was just in the previous chapter or two, he had had an encounter with a multitude of people and he had fed 4,000. And he had healed them all. So the word, the fame of Jesus is getting around. We know that. That's the reason multitudes are following him. He's out in the middle of nowhere. There's no facilities for the people. There's no, maybe no shade. There's certainly no running water probably. He is in a desert, almost a very arid place anyway, if not a desert type place. And so people are coming to him by the thousands. And the question, of course, is why? And the word of Jesus, the fame of Jesus, has made its way to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, either on their own accord, or maybe they were sent by the leaders of the Jewish faith, the, the chief priest, etc., the Sanhedrin, I don't know, but somebody has decided they're going to go out to this faraway place, out in the middle of nowhere, in a remote location. Those of us that grew up in the country, we sort of can, re can visualize this. When people start coming from the city out into the middle of nowhere, they usually have a reason. In my mind, I see Jesus out in the middle of a desolate place, and then all of a sudden, in my mind, okay, if you'll just go with me on this, I see a bunch of big luxury cars pulling up and guys getting out wearing suits and nice clothes. They look good. And they've just come from the city. And now they've stepped out and they're starting to mingle around, beginning to observe what's going on. Because they've heard that someone out in the middle of nowhere is healing people and is drawing large crowds. So they've come to They've come to check it out. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, so now they've, found, they've been observing for a while and they've already found something they object to. They sort of knew maybe in their own minds, probably this, whatever's going on out there is probably not on the up and up. And they've come to find out and to report back to Jerusalem. And the first thing, it probably didn't take them long, but the very first thing they said was, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Of course, we're going to find out what, what it is, but they're already they have found something to complain about, something to find fault with. And they say, why do your disciples, why do your disciples, they're, they're pointing to him. They're letting him know he's responsible. And he's letting people do things they ought not do. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For the what? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. <laughs> that was a tradition. He answered and said to them, why do you? So Jesus is going to stop them right in the tracks right here. Jesus is not going to give one inch of ground. Because he knows, even by the tone, maybe of the way they said it, and because they're obviously looking to find fault, he is like, we're going to deal with this right now. And he makes no bones about it. He says, 
Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. That was God's commandment. That was the law. But you say, he says to them, but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you may have, have might have received from me is a gift of God. What they're saying is young people could say to their parents, I'm not going to help you in old age. Their dad or their mom might have been ill or, or might have been advanced in years. And the proper thing for them to do to show honor to their parents would be to help them and to help make up the difference if they're starting to fail in health or failing in strength. But the religious elite in Jerusalem, their whole world is the temple. And it's how it's taken care of and how it's expanded and how it's funded. And for them, they were quite willing to say, it's okay, guys, if you want to give to the temple, give to the work of God, so to speak, even if it causes you to not be able to fulfill your obligations to your parents. That's what they were saying. They were saying that's okay. And Jesus is saying it's not okay. He says, but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift of God, which, is, which means this, whatever I could have earned that might have been used to help you, now I'm, I'm giving it as a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So Jesus says, you guys have a tradition and it's to wash, to wash your food or wash your hands before you eat food. Maybe they wash the food too. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? We're all into that. That's fine. But he said they were finding fault with his disciples. And he's saying, look, that's not the point. That's not what we're out here about. We're not out here about the traditions of men. We're out here teaching the kingdom of God. We are, we are showing the kingdom of God. And I'm sure he didn't say it, but he could have said it. He said, look around you. He said, look around you at this multitude. They are here for a reason. And we are preaching to them and we are teaching them and we are healing the sick. Jesus didn't say that. He could have said that, but he didn't. But he lashes out. When I say lashes out, he forcefully talks to them. He says, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In the ninth verse. This is the scripture that I took today's title from. And he says, and in vain, and in vain they worship me, teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. And today we're going to delve into this just a little bit further. We're going to get into, the, into Isaiah some. I guess maybe today's not so different. I said today's really different, but the truth is I go back to Isaiah a lot because Jesus did. Jesus, by the very fact that he quotes Isaiah so often, he has convinced me that Isaiah is very important. And Isaiah not only prophesied about the current events in Israel of his time, 
He did prophesy about near-term events, things that might be happening in a year or two or maybe 10 or 15 years. But throughout Isaiah's book, uh, throughout the collection of his writings, he also prophesied things far in advance. And of course, he prophesied Jesus about the Messiah or Jesus Christ himself. So Isaiah is, is very important. Before we go any further, Jesus, I'm certain, knows that the multitudes that are around him has heard this discussion. And before he goes any further with any more teaching, he calls them up close. I, and I don't know how he did it, but I think he said, everybody come here. That's in my mind. It doesn't say that in the scriptures. What does it say? He said, when he had called the multitude to himself. So I don't know how he did that, but I believe maybe he called to them or maybe he told the disciples, call them in. I want to talk to them. I want to get this straight right now. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. He says, basically, sit down for a minute. I've got something to say to you and I want you to listen. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. He is about to make a teaching. He's going to use this confrontation with the Pharisees to talk to the people. And he's going to make a, a again, I, I just see that in Jesus all the time. It's where, wherever he was at, whatever was happening, whether it was fish or figs or anything else, he would take what was at hand and he would use it to teach the multitudes or he would use it to teach his disciples. And I believe he said, this is a great time for me to talk about this. One of the things he's going to do is he's going to make a point that it's not the traditions of men. It's going to be about God. And so he begins by saying, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man. He is taking strict issue complete issue with the Pharisees at this point because what is affecting the Pharisees also can affect us and often does affect us. Listen to me now. We are all carnal. We are all living in a human body. No matter where we are at in our Christian walk, the most wise among us, the most mature among us, still has to work to suppress the carnal nature. That's the reason that we pray so much. Denise and I, we are not anything of ourselves, but we know this much. We must pray. I want you to hear my heart. One of the most important things about prayer is for you to pray for yourself. Because we are all walking around in the flesh. And every day... We need the Word of God to strengthen us, to be food for us, and we need prayer so that the Holy Spirit can speak to us and guide us and so that He can and begin to strengthen us Himself. The Holy Spirit's presence Himself can help guide us and to help us to be sensitive to the things of the Spirit and also to be sensitive to the things of the carnal. In other, in other words, that we can recognize when the carnal wants to rise up in us. The point being here is that all of us can do and sometimes do like the Pharisees. We want to turn spiritual things into carnal. 
The reason for that is because we want to have things that we can see and touch and feel. And because of that, the carnal wants to take the invisible and make it visible. It wants to take the things that you can't touch and make it touchable. And one of the things that the Pharisees have unfortunately fallen into over maybe many decades, maybe hundreds of years, but they've taken the law, which was meant to be spiritual. I know that the law itself is a sort of a hot topic in the sense that it's very, very much downplayed in Christian circles today. And we don't live under the law and we don't spend our our days trying to to keep the law. Not by any means. We live under grace. We're saved by grace. Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the law so that we don't have to, right? So that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that when God instituted the law, it was his plan. He did it for a reason. The beauty of the law is that it can be done in faith. If it's done in faith, it's accounted to the doer as righteousness. And that's the reason that it's a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. It was meant to bring us eventually to the point where Jesus indeed would fulfill the law and he could have said to all of Israel, now, no more do you have to fulfill each one of these little regulations. He could have said the law, and he did in his teachings, and I'm digressing just a little bit here, and I'll get back to the message in just a second. But he often told them, that in the new covenant, he would say things like, the law and the prophets is contained in loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind. He said, that's the keeping of the law. If you do those things under the new covenant, you don't have to worry about the law. You're going to keep the law. But you, it, will be, it will be a natural outgrowth of your spirit, man. Getting back to where we're going with this, the, the point today is, he said in verse 9, and in vain they worship me. And today at all cost, we don't want to think that we're worshiping God when we're not. We don't want to think that the things that we're doing are pleasing to God when they're not. And Jesus is making a very strong point to these people. And he's saying, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know? <laughs> this is so funny. I mean, wow. I think this is incredible. They, they come, oh, the disciples are still learning. Okay, they're still learning. They come to him and say, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And I'm thinking Jesus is probably going, I don't care. That is the last thing on my, my agenda today is whether or not they are offended. Okay. But they said, do you know that the, the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Jesus, again, he's making strong statements, and he is trying to tell them, look, I am the Son of God. I have come with a message. Those that are 
trying to tear down this work of God, this movement of God, this determination that I have to complete the will of God that's going to end in Jerusalem on the Passover. He says, I want you to know that everyone, every plant, and he's talking about the Pharisees when he says this. He says, but I believe it applied to anyone. But in particular, we know today the subject is the Pharisees. He says, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. And he's telling them, don't worry about the Pharisees. He says, let them alone. Verse 14, if you're keeping up with me in the scriptures today. Verse 14 says, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Sometimes we want to know Jesus uses the term heart. They use the term heart in the Bible times. And sometimes we want to think, well, we know the heart is is a physical organ that pumps blood. And that's not what Jesus was meaning. He was talking about the center of your being. He says, but those things which proceed, proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man. So Jesus is saying, look, this is not outward. We are not talking about outward things here. We're talking about inward things. The things I'm teaching all of you, and especially, he, he may have even looked at Peter, you know, because it's like, Peter, don't you understand yet what, what we're trying to do here? And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to get you to build a relationship with God that's based on the inside man. Right? When, when Jesus talked earlier, when we talked about Jesus earlier and him teaching the disciples to pray, what did he say? He said, our Father. He expected them to develop a relationship with his father, like he had. He wanted them to call him their father. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So Jesus is talking to them. He says, It's about the inside. It's about the inside of you. We're going to pivot just a little bit and we're going to go to Isaiah because Isaiah is so beautiful. And if you have your Bibles or your electronic device, Go to Isaiah, the 29th chapter, and go to verse 13. Jesus, when he talked to them earlier in this, in the chapter, the 15th chapter of Matthew, he was quoting from Isaiah. When he said in verse 8, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He was reaching back to Isaiah. Now, let us go to Isaiah. Jesus, like I said, is quoting from Isaiah 29, 13. But much of the chapter has to do with worship. And it's worth reading. The chapter begins with a prophecy of future punishment for Jerusalem. The center part of the chapter, starting with verses 13 through 16, talks of a time of blindness and lack of understanding. 
while the end, verses 22 through 24, predicts a time of restoration. And really, that's where I want to finish up our message today, is in verses 23 and 24. They are particularly noteworthy and that they speak of a time of true worship accepted by God. True worship. Now, let's read together. Denise, would you mind reading for me Isaiah 29, 22 through 24? Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob and fear the God of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding and those who complained will learn doctrine. Beautiful, beautiful. Aren't these beautiful scriptures? See, now today, some of you might think, Jerry, you're so critical of the Pharisees and the things that you said about them could be taken as very harsh. But let me tell you something. We are just like the Pharisees in this regard. We can change. Some of us today, and I'm going to just use myself as the, the example, there have been times I know that when I thought I was, was worshiping God, I was worshiping in vain. I know that there have been times in my life when my prayers were more about me than God, more about what I wanted to do in my life than God. It was a lot of times, to put it bluntly, my prayers probably were quite selfish. But just like the Pharisees who had gotten off the path, right? They had gotten off the path from the spiritual into the carnal. They had left the actual law of God and they had built all of these man's traditions that they also treated just like they were laws given by Moses. And they would condemn people for not maintaining those traditions of men. See, they had gotten off the path. And today, those of us like Jerry have occasionally and maybe for periods of time gotten off the path. But here in Isaiah, we see that there's a time of restoration. What does it say? It says, therefore, thus says the Lord. We're talking about Isaiah 29, 22 through 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham? It goes right back to Abraham, the father of faith. It says, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob? They were his offspring, right? They were Abraham's offspring. Often when he talks about Jacob, he's talking about Israel, the nation of Israel. And it says, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. See, he's talking about the nation. But when he sees his children, when he sees his children, the work of my hands in the midst, in, in his midst, they will hallow my name. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful that Jesus used words in the example prayer that goes all the way back to Isaiah? And we talked about hallow at the beginning of this of this sermon, and I won't repeat that again, but hallow is the beginning of worship, right? We want to hallow. 
It says, hallow my name. That's what God's saying. There's going to be a time of restoration in the midst of Jacob. He will see his children hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob. And I believe this. I believe this points to Jesus Christ, the Holy One of Jacob, the the Messiah, the one that was going to come out of Judah and fear the God of Israel. So they're going to hallow. They're going to worship me and then they're going to fear God. They're going to submit to God. Verse 24 says, these also who erred in spirit will come to understanding the beauty of even when Jesus was talking strongly to the Pharisees. He never wanted them to be in error forever. He always wanted them to to listen to him as he taught and return to the point where it wasn't about the outside, but it would be about the inside. And so today, as I conclude, I want to read verse 24. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding. And those who complained, right? Were the Pharisees complaining to Jesus? Yeah. Those who complained will what? Will learn doctrine. One of the most beautiful things Jesus said to me in all of the scriptures, in all of the things that he, where his words are recorded, he said, Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That scripture, he says, learn of me. And he says, you will have rest for your souls. And so today, when he was talking to the multitude that was gathered around him, and I believe that the Pharisees were standing nearby also, I believe that he was trying to teach them and that he was saying, learn of me, learn of me. He says, these also who erred in spirit will come to understanding. I'm sure he was thinking, guys, I, don't, I know you came from Jerusalem and I know you came to criticize and and to find fault with what we're doing and then report back to Jerusalem. I believe in his heart he was saying, I, I love you. I love you. I want you to come back into the path of faith. He says, those who have erred in spirit will come to understanding. And so Jesus was teaching them, right? And he used the, the very thing they had talked about. And he said, the things that go into a man don't defile a man. But what comes out of the man, that's what defiles him. And there's a world of beautiful things to learn in those three verses. But today I want you to know at All People's Church, the thing that we are, that Denise and I key on is teaching the scriptures and primarily teaching about Jesus, teaching about the things that he taught. He says, learn of me. So when G Denise and I spend so much time in the gospels, you know why. He says, learn of me and you will have rest for your souls. I hope you've enjoyed the message. The message title was In Vain They Worship Me. And I believe that if you will read the scriptures again that we went through today, and if you will meditate upon the message, 
I believe that it will help you grow. And also, if there's ever been a time when you felt like your worship wasn't going anywhere, or maybe it seemed like it just was falling short of heaven, then maybe this lesson will help you to get back right into the center of the path of worshiping God, which is completely based in hallowing his name and accepting his sovereignty over your life. If you have any questions and you would like to talk more to Denise or I, go to our website. You'll see the phone numbers that you can use. You can see the email. You can text us. But we are here to help you and we want to help you and we want to answer your phone call or your text. And with that, we'll say goodbye to you today and hope you enjoyed the lesson from All People's Church.